Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard here. Hope you're all keeping well right now. Hi everybody, Matt Guy here. Greetings, salutations. I'm not David Nell, sadly. So, hello, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, it, it feels like forever. Um, just to peek behind the Cage Fighting curtain here. I don't think we've recorded as a trio for months at this point. Yeah, it's been a while. It, it feels like it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? It's been a while, to be fair. Just we've we've run holidays and events and and life kind of getting in the way somewhat. Yeah, Steve. Obviously, you were sorely missed last time. Mate. Have you managed to catch up on the uh, David Nell cast? Yeah, I listened to it the other day. It's really good. Um, I did kind of. The jealousy pinged um, when I was listening to it, and him <laughs> him calling me out and slagging me off was quite enjoyable. Um, I like how he hasn't let that lie on Twitter as well. <laughs> he's carried I really on. enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, because he's, he's seen me on Twitter <laughs> responding to our tweets and stuff, and that's all. Is um, I like how he's kind of kept up the old facade with it all. It's it was really good. It was really good value. It was uh, it was a great interview. That was. Yep, he was. Tremendous, I thought. I really enjoyed it. I've listened back myself and I, even though I've listened to it like three times before it was even released and was there live, like I, I was still fascinated listening to what he had to say. So please check it out. Obviously, it's last week's pod on uh, in, in the archives. It's well worth your time, I think. Uh, but we'll move on and we'll look at the news this week. First off, McLean is dead. The film, not the character, that is. Lorenzo Bonaventura confirms that they are no longer working on the uh, the prequel to the franchise since Disney has taken over from Fox. Like, obviously, the original trilogy are very highly regarded movies. Four and five, less so. Did we need a sixth film in this franchise anyway, Matt? What, what do you think? I think at this point it's it's inevitable just because of what the culture is now, which is bleed a franchise that you know has got a loyal audience as dry as physically possible. Um, I think though there there is an appetite from people, and you know we've seen with recent reboots that there are new stories to be tell, told with new technology, and it could have worked, um, but. I don't know. It's not something that's, you know, I'm I'm certainly not holding a vigil for it myself because I think, you know, let 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 the past in, enjoy the past and let's let's look to the future kind of thing. Yeah, agreed. Stu, last night you watched a film with Bruce Willis in. Has he got to that point in his career he just needs to learn the word no? Well, no, I'll I'll come to midnight in the switchgrass in a minute. Um <laughs> but for for context, my PSN account is John McClane's vest, and I love the first film and the second one's not too bad either. I've got the, mm-hmm. I've got them all; they're fine. Um, but the first two are such classics that you can't. There's no point in it. I don't want this. None of the fans really wanted it either. It was just kind of like Matt said; it's pandering to let's let's seep everything as sap free and dry as you possibly can. And I'm I'm kind of glad it was panned and cancelled because it was just. We know all we need to know about John McClane. There's no point at all. Yeah, but yeah, enough. I mean, we've watched enough enough films anyway. To this ain't going to spoil what I've been watching because I literally watched it last night, and it was to be outacted by Megan Fox <laughs> says it all. <laughs> and he was the most atrocious 
you could have got anyone doing this. I mean, you, you could have got any of us three acting in this film and that'd be better. And I did two years of GCSE drama, as has been mentioned many times, and I'd be better than that. He's clearly, it said on IMDb that he did his whole, every scene in a whole day. And you can tell, he's like, yeah, he's turned up, ain't been asked, ain't just wearing his own clothes, just spoke <laughs> as if he's speaking in an interview and then pissed off home. That's all it was. It's, yeah. It was it was atrociously bad. I imagine at the end of the day that he's worked, he just literally turned around to the director and just says, pay me. And then that's all he's bothered about. It's money and nothing yeah. else. Anyway, onto some better news. It broke a couple of weeks back, and we've not really had a chance to discuss this one. Um, Sonic 2 has found its knuckles, so Idris Elba is going to be um, hot off the Suicide Squad, and he's been brought in to play the... Is it Echidna or Echidna? How do you pronounce it? It's Echidna. It's Echidna, right, okay. So yeah, he's playing the Echidna himself. There is still no word on who he's going to be playing Miles Prower. Tails, obviously. Um, are we happy with Idris first off as Knuckles? Yeah, I mean he's um, he's just full and brimming with charisma, and he's got that little tiny bit of an arsehole quality about him when he needs to be, but can do it in a kids' show or film. Mm. Um, like he can be cocky and over the top, and um, and everything that Knuckles, you know, kind of is so like proper brash. So I think he'd be really good for it. Yeah, I think it's a really good choice because I know Momoa was spoke about and he's got that about him, that sort of almost otherworldly charisma that just draws you to his performances. Stu, I take it you're delighted as well with the, with Idris. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can't think of anything that Idris Elba's done that I didn't like, at least in some way. Sky Q adverts. <laughs> well, <laughs> to be fair, Idris Elba being Idris Elba is still acting better than... Bruce Willis in <laughs> Midnight in the Swing. <laughs> Anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like Idris Elba. He seems a good laugh as well. So, yeah, bring it on. I, I like how he kind of embraces this mad side of himself as well now, whereas when he was doing Luther and serious things for BBC, he was always kind of very, well, he was a very serious company man and he didn't, even though he did a bit of DJing on the side, he was, you never saw him kind of talking about anything and now he's kind of, well, sorry, I'm in my 50s, 60s, whatever he is now, closing in on, just enjoying himself. So, yeah, bring it on. Uh, the other question I was going to ask, so Colleen O'Shaughnessy did the voice work in the original film, but obviously it was very, very brief. Is there anyone you'd like to see voice tales in Sonic 2? Anyone in particular who jumps out who you think could be the right um, tonal uh, character for him? I want Nolan North to do it, just because he's great in... He's a voice actor, and he can kind of do the softer, softer tones as well as being incredibly excitable, like Nathan Drake and in the Turtles games and stuff. So, I'd I'd go for someone who's an actual voice actor for Tails rather than just a big name. Yeah, because I was thinking of um, the guy who played Lex Luthor in Smallville, Michael Rosenbaum, but I think he might be a little bit too old for that role now. But obviously, he was the voice of Flash in Justice League Unlimited, but I, I do agree. I think it needs to be someone who's got uh, chops in the voice acting world. Matt, is there anyone in particular you quite fancy the, the sound of? I don't know why, but <clears throat> immediately I was drawn to Joe Latrulio. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so I just think he's, he's got that like softer voice and he's obviously got comedic chops anyway. And he'd, I think he'd be a friendly voice that 
like adults would recognize and and and, and snigger at but kids wouldn't be offended by and would would enjoy at the same time superb i like that one uh on to the mcu so it's been broken down that in the next black panther film there is going to be a statue uh memorializing t'challa obviously we know that chadwick boseman is no longer with us and they were never going to recast the character so are marvel doing the right thing here by killing off black panther rather than having him working in the background out of sight what it's such a difficult thing to do Mm. like is this is there a right answer and a wrong answer, or is this just the best of an awful situation? I think, I mean, I don't know the source material and, and the comics, so I don't know what canon there is to Black Panther, but, you know, it it could have been very easy to have continued, like, a legacy of him. He's gone off to search for otherworldly mm. technology, or he's gone on a peace-finding mission for Wakanda, or... I don't know. It's it almost feels a little, you know, a line drawn under the sand. Now, now we now we move on. You know, uh, the king is dead. Long live the king, kind of thing. As opposed to, you know, I think they could have allowed the memory of it to to continue, maybe. But I don't know. It, it, there's no right answer, as you say. Um, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't in this scenario. Yeah, Stu, what are your thoughts? They haven't actually said that he's dead, have they? Just because he's got a statue. Uh, in in this, they are saying that it's a memorial statue, so it is that he's dead. I mean, it, it's comic film, so I'm, I'm taking it that he's still alive. <laughs> um, you, you, could, <laughs> you couldn't, like they said all along, you can't recast him, even if, I mean, I suppose you could have someone in the suit just say, like, like he loses an arm or something, and then he's out of action, and he's going, he goes somewhere to repair himself, and then he retires. You could have a memorial for that, mm. but it's then you've always got the thing of oh well he could be he could have an arm like Bucky and they could fix him up and I don't think they've got much choice really if they, if they don't want to recast him which is the right thing to do then you need to kill him off so and if they've got a statue yeah. and it is him as him so it's a best of a bad situation and mm. there's no like Matt says there's no real right right or wrong way to do it but. I understand why they're doing this, and it feels it feels right to do it this way. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really do. Uh, across the comic book aisle to the DCEU, so Journey Smollett is getting her own film as the Black Canary. Like, I'm a big fan of Birds of Prey, so I'm really pleased to hear that she's going to be getting some more screen time, and that's going to be part of the HBO Max movie world that they're building going on. Speaking of which. The Black Superman HBO series is reportedly in the works with Michael B. Jordan. Um, I love Michael B. Jordan. I think that's a really good call to put him in that suit. Uh, do you agree? Is there anyone else you'd rather see? What do you think, fellas? I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Michael G., uh, Michael B. Jordan, and I think that when you, he probably doesn't get the chops for his kind of dramatical. Um, work as much as he does for kind of being in Creed mm. and being part of the Creed franchise, which was, again, was excellent as it was. I mean, Just Mercy was a fantastic uh, fantastic film um, and I don't think was reviewed quite as well as it should have been. Um, and I think he's got the star power to give some credence to that to that role. Um, 
and the people that dislike it would dislike it no matter what black mm-hmm. or, or BAME actor played Superman. Yeah. So it doesn't really make a blind bit of difference in, in, in that respect. From an actor point of view, he, he, he'll be fantastic for it. Is is he playing Clark Kent or is it someone else? He'll be playing Val Zod, who is going to be, um, it's the President of the United States. He was loosely based on Barack Obama yeah. um, so, in the thing. So it's an Earth 2 version of it, so it's not the same continuity as um, your handsome fella from England, whose name I've completely forgot. Yeah, Mr. Cavill. Yeah, this, Cavill, yeah. Well, the, there you go. Then there's no point for the uh, racist hiding in plain sight to mayonnaise. It's a different story. It's a different character. Grow up. And yeah, if <laughs> I think when you when your name's Michael Jordan, and you have to put your initial into kind of separate mm. yourself from the main, the main man, and yet you're still equally as famous and good at what you do as the other Michael Jordan. Then it says it all. Great, great actor, great choice. Mm. So Matt and Trey have got themselves a mega deal. Comedy Central have renewed South Park through to its thirtieth season. That will take it up to twenty twenty seven. It has also ordered 14 original South Park movies, 14, which makes me think that it'll be a case of, as part of some of these seasons, it'll be like two or three episode long arcs as a movie rather than 14 movies to go to the cinema. He's how I'm sort of reading it. I'm guessing that'll be like how uh, Family Guy did like their Star Wars features and stuff like that. I, I expect it to be so, but I mean, that's... It's a hell of a lot of work to keep them going, and like they've made an absolute mint off the back of this, so fair play to them. Stu, I know you're as big a fan as I am. Are you happy to see South Park going on to 30 years, it'll be, by the time it ends? It might not even end at that point, we don't know. Well, I deliberately didn't. When you put this in the in the run-under, I don't ask what this is even about. So I'm, I hadn't seen it, so I'm ecstatic with this. Mm. And they have done this before, remember? They have, with like the... Um, what became Stick of Truth, the game that Stick of Truth came from, that yeah. then that three episode arc of um, them playing Skyrim ish, um, slash Lord of the Rings. So, if they did, it sounds really fun, fun way to do things because if they're sticking to the 10 episode seasons and then, then they're having a big one afterwards, great. Then you could have two. Well, yeah. If, if there's 14 films and it's, it's going for another nine years, then you could easily have two, one in the summer, one in the winter. Superb. Yeah, a bit like they've done last year with the pandemic special. I think is the way they'll, yeah. they'll approach it. Which yeah. obviously that went down like a fucking storm. People loved it. So, and it's it's yeah, only there's legs in it. It's only got better as well. It had that lull for a couple of years where it was it had gone too well. It's safe, but we have to watch it. And now the last the last two, maybe two and a half. It's come back with a bang. Mm. I mean, it's Ta, appoint- it's appointment viewing again. You need to get on it yep. with you. No, listen, I've, I have nothing against South Park at all. I used to watch it back in the day as part of my route. And I'm talking back, back in the day, which was part of my routine of like, I'd go to, we'd go to my dad's on a, on a Friday night and we'd watch the Graham Norton show, which was once a night, you know, once a week. And it was classic. It was dead rude back then as well. It was like mm. when Graham, it was like cutting edge. Like, and then we'd watch like Bonsai. Bonsai. <laughs> that, that bonsai, and then we'd and we'd watch South Park, and that'd be kind of our like our night. That's what we'd watch. Um, I used to think it was great. I just never really carried on with it. I mean, 
Um, from what I understand about South Park, it's always been more so than any other program, topically, completely on point. Like it, it knows what's big and it knows what to take the piss out of and it knows how to push a button for whatever's going on at that in that year or that, that time period. Um, my only concern would be if I go back and watch like much earlier episodes now, will it, will it feel dated because of that? Oh, it absolutely does. <laughs> but because I went back and tried to watch it from the start again um, a couple of years ago, and it's not the same. It take, until, until when they get the, the graphics for um, fourth grade and they change the title sequence, that's when it kicks mm. into what it is now. But the first four se- seasons are a bit of a slog. Well, I wouldn't say a slog because it's still funny. And even though it is topical, there was was it season? Was it one of the two years ago that where they did it, a continuous arc from from one to the next, and it was like a, a proper serial rather than one off yeah. episodes, and that was different, but it still worked. Um, but yeah, I think if you were around at the time and you watch it at the time, then you'll get the first few, and it won't mm. be a problem. If you like, if you. So like if I got Ethan to watch it now at ten years old, he wouldn't have a clue what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, a bit of news that I found out just before we started recording, so it's not on the agenda. Apparently, Nicholas Holt has signed on to play a character called Renfield. Renfield is basically Dracula's gimpy bitch mate. So it looks as though the Dark Universe is coming back. Did either of you see the mummy, the Tom Cruise mummy? Is this something people are interested in? Because <laughs> they're trying to make it a thing, and I genuinely couldn't give a fuck. No. I, um, no, I didn't think so. <laughs> I saw Tom Cruise's mummy, and I, I give most things with Tom Cruise probably a point extra than they deserve, because I do like him, um, and it wasn't my bag. Um I'm not sure this is something that I'd rush out, but now as a as a as a card carrying City World Unlimited member, I'll see any old shite now. So, <laughs> so, so maybe I will. Uh, and finally, the Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Uh, the book was released, I think it was about 12 months ago now, and the book has been optioned with production due to start at some point early next year. So we'll be getting a Hunger Games prequel movie. Are we fans of the films, books, whatever there's already been? Mm, I mean, <laughs> they're not... It, it was always like, oh, that's cute. It's uh, it's It's a... PG version of Battle Royale. That's always mm. what it was. But like the first couple of Hunger Games movies weren't bad, to be fair. They were okay. I've never read the books. Um, and, you know, I think I, I never watched, like, I don't think Mockingjay 1 and 2 were the last couple. I never watched mm. those. Um, but my understanding is they moved away from kind of like the arena fighting, it's a deathmatch thing to more of just yeah. like a socio political kind of. It's a movement as opposed mm-hmm. to it's a game, and and that just wasn't. You're there for you're there because it's an, an easily accessible battle royale, and if it's going to be that direction, I'd be all for it. I'd probably watch it. Yeah, um, the third and fourth film, like it follows the books. So the fourth book was about something completely different to the first two. I really enjoyed the books. And I've seen the first two films and then not bothered with the second two, mm. which I think sort of speaks for itself, really. I think if they went and went down the route of 
how the world got into that mess and how the Hunger Games were formed. Mm. If it didn't, if it wasn't based on a Hunger Games tournament, but it showed how the world went to shit, I'd, that'd be that'd be watchable. Yeah, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So that is the news this week. Matthew, have we had any listener questions? We have, of course, from our loyal. It's a good listeners. job because I haven't even looked at all since putting that tweet out. <laughs> so, so let's go for it then. In that case, this is this is unadulterated unprepared content for your <laughs> eardrums right now. Uh, David Evans, will a superhero film or from Marvel or DC ever win a major award, best film, best director, best actor, etc.? Or has the market become so saturated that even a deserving film will only be seen as, a, as good compared to its artistic competitors? Very good question. Probably not. Just because... People are snobs, ain't they? At the end of the day, um, we know what the, all this kind of stuff's about. Where it took Lord of the Rings three films to get up the recognition that it deserved, and since neither of these are going to end anytime soon, if any would any of them would have done something, it would have been Black Panther. I think just because of everything that he kind of hinted at and what it stood for, and it didn't really did it. So I just don't think they will. I think that. They seem to be below the uh, the people who like being bored. Yeah, I I don't think they. I don't think you'll get the best picture because, well, I don't think Marvel will because it's the same film every time. They've not really pushed boundaries with them, only visually pushed boundaries, and that's that's not enough, especially for people at the academy. So it's not something they're going to be looking at. The directors, especially again coming back to Marvel, when you look at like the Guardians films compared to the Suicide Squad, you can see the constraints in which the Marvel studio system puts on the directors. Everything looks like a Marvel film, which maybe has got a little bit of um, squash. So it's like they've diluted the the director. So if the director is Ribena, you can see like the tiniest amount in a Marvel film, whereas you look at the Suicide Squad, which was the same director, and that is like one of the most James Gunn films I've ever seen. So if if a, a comic book movie is going to win a director's award, it's not going to come from the Marvel Studio way of doing things. I don't think, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, Ash Dolan, you enter the multiverse and encounter three different versions of yourself. Which versions are they? How do you get on with them, and how does it go? <laughs> <laughs> There's every chance I would hate whoever I met, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> there'd be one with hair, there'd be one without a beard. It would just be wrong. And there'd obviously be a female version, because there always has to be a gender swap version. Mm. Yeah, that's that's the worrying thing, that if there was a female version of me, that I'd, I'd try and hit on it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think... somewhere, someone out, somewhere out there, there's a version of you with cornrows, Stu, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, mm. it wasn't quite cornrows, but I did have it. <laughs> when we were in, um, we were in Grand Canary, and Annabelle had cornrows, and said it was the most painful thing ever, and which it does look, to be fair. Mm. And I had it like the little ends. There's one picture of me in the lion with it a little bit plaited, but I had it kind of plaited at the sides, down the front. Um, <laughs> and was looking it, at the bed, was this like, like prime? Prime David Beckham time was this, or 
uh, talking probably about this part of like five, six years ago. So it was, I mean, it was the beginning of the end of the hair. Like it was pre, pre um, tennis headband. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I had it plaited and that was about it in sections, but I never went full cornrows now. <laughs> See, I, I can, I can literally in my head picture the point in my life where my life went on an arc. It went one of two ways, and it was when I was handed a liter bottle of Frosty Jacks before Generation. I was part of the gifted and talented program at school, and I, I was they struck they struck the, struck the rocket to the moon, baby, to me. <laughs> And then I went to an under-18 nightclub and started drinking, and then I quit the program and I did nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so somewhere I'll meet I'll meet that version of me in the multiverse where like I, I carried on my academia. Um see where that took me. But there we go. Uh, <laughs> so um our good friend Matt Cunnington wants to know Is Highlander 2 the worst sequel ever? I I I can't. I don't think I've seen the first one all the way through, so I can't say if it's a bad sequel. It's just a fucking bad film in general. Yeah, Stu, you you strike me as a type to like Highlander. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind a bit of Highlander. Um, it's nowhere near on my, my favourites list at all. But I'm thinking there's you. You're thinking for the opposite of Terminator Two, are you? And mm. off the top of my head. <laughs> I can't think of it, even though it's so annoying. It's so what what Matt's literally saying here, quite literally, is there can only be one. Like there can <laughs> only be one movie because the sequel's so bad. That's that's essentially what he's saying. I believe that's the Highland the Highlander reference. I I think the Saw sequel and subsequent sequels are Ooh. all worse Ooh. than the original. Ooh, that's 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 them's fighting words around these parts. I, I think Saw 2 is one of like the dirt worst films. I think it's awful. Really? Mm. If it's the one I think it is, it's the one where uh, the what one of the torture methods is her hands are in that box, isn't it? And she's got to yeah. pull her hands out and and she falls into the needles. Yeah. yeah. It's the one with mm. Marky Mark's brother. Oh, I didn't think it was that bad. It's just wrong. But, no, the thing, it's not a Saw film, is it? That's the problem with it. You can tell that it's just... A generic script that they've retrofitted to put Jigsaw in there. Yeah, it's Alien and Aliens. They are two different franchise kind of films, um, almost. But I, I didn't not enjoy it. I mean, t- to be honest, though, I was such a sucker for Saw. I only disliked him when Chester Bennington appeared in one. And that was about like six, the sixth one in, I think. <laughs> so I was always a fan of them. But listen, we were a podcast about opinions. So, you know what I mean? You're entitled to yours, my friend. Uh, little Dan wants to know, um, have you ever seen the movie Virtuosity with Denzel and Russell Crowe? Ken Shamrock has a cameo. Um, what was the first sportsman you can remember cameo cameoing in a movie as as themselves? Oh. Um, the first one wasn't Lance Armstrong in Dodgeball. Yeah, he was. There's yeah. got to be more before them, but that's the first one that springs to mind for some reason. Well, I've already mentioned him already, Michael Jordan in Space Jam. Mm. Oh, shit, yeah, of course. <laughs> Just try to flush that from my memory. <laughs> oh, and, uh, yeah. well, Pele as well, obviously, with John Walk in um, Escape to Victory. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of Mike Bassett, England manager. <laughs> <laughs> but I was... Cause th- it's it's not them playing themselves, but I'm I'm fairly certain the first sportsman I can ever remember sportsman in inverted commas um, would have been um, 
big show was Captain Insano in Waterboy. Yeah, good good shout that one is actually. I know he's not playing himself, but he's playing a wrestler. He's, he's yeah. playing himself. Yeah. Uh, no good question that. Um, Andrew Wright wants to know, if you were in the dock, is there a lawyer from TV and film you would choose to represent you? Obviously, the correct answer is the chicken from Futurama. But if, is there anyone else that you can think of? Now, there's been a... I don't, I don't know if Stu has seen the tweet. Have you seen the tweet, I, I did respond to that one, yeah. It was very on brand. But no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be that. It'd be. Um, it'd be Saul Goodman, obviously. Mm. Yeah, I, I would probably go for um, Vinny from My Cousin Vinny because I love that film. It's so good. See, I would have um, Bob Loblaw from Arrested Development, <laughs> so I could read Bob Bob, Bob Loblaw's law blog. <laughs> proper makes me laugh. I remember when I was going through Arrested Development recently, and I, and I, and I saw that bit. I knew it was coming. And it just, just proper makes me laugh. It's just so like, I don't know how, when they they sit in a room and they like come up with a script and they know the arc and then they think, you know what we need? We need to have a lawyer just randomly called Bob, Bob, Bob Loblaw. <laughs> but there we go. I enjoyed it. You know what? What's his, um, what's his character name in Lawyer Lawyer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say Lionel Hutz, but that that's Simpsons, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All I know is he does the claw. The claw. <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> I think, I reckon, legitimately, if we could get the stats, Liar Liar would be the most played film on ITV2. It's always on. It's, <laughs> it's always, always on, yeah. It's always on. He was called Fletcher Reed in that one. That's it, yeah. That's a forgettable name I've, ever. I've had better. So that's what I always remember from... Uh, and then when he's in the lift with that, uh, with the woman, with obviously the... The well endowed woman, and he's just there going, <laughs> Mama, Mama. She's <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Uh, and finally, um, Tara, good old friend of the show, Tara. Uh, as I'm away at Fright Fest this weekend, I'll theme the question about horror and nasty stuff. What is the most fucked up, horrible film you've ever seen? Uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be a horror film. Oh, um,. That's a good question because not much like turns my stomach when I'm watching films, other than Vulgar with the clown rape, which I've mentioned before. That one's kind of horrible. I mean, like the Human Centipede didn't do a lot for me. Other I was than, bored. Other than like go for shock value. Mm. Hostel had kind of jumped the gun by that point. We'd already kind of got to the point where I think we were bored of that gore, gore porn. Yeah. By this point. Um. Sure, was, you've got you sure you've got to have seen something on an away day coach. I was I was going to say <laughs> Hostel Part Two. I mean, the obvious answer is two girls, one cup. Eight. Let's let's just get it out there. <laughs> that is the answer to this question, and it is a film. It's uh, it's only twelve minutes long, but once you see that, you can't get that out of your mind ever. Have you ever been um, like lemon partied or meat spinned accidentally? What? Yeah, I don't know what these <laughs> things are. Uh, yeah, just Google them. Don't do it at work if you're listening to this. So, Meat Spin, I think, if Meat Spin is the one, it's basically two old dudes giving us each other a 69, I think. But they're like, they're hella old as well. Or it might even be a threesome. And it used to be the thing that you could like install something on you know, a friend's PC and it'd, yeah. just be, it'd just be stuck and it'd just be there, massive volume up. They can't get rid of it until like <laughs> half an hour later kind of thing. 
Yeah, I did that on my cousin's computer when we were in college because it was before that, like, they could snoop on your computers, but they didn't restrict websites. And there was some website where it was just full of awful pictures of, like, mutilations or scat and just nasty shit. And you could download EXE files where it would come up with... It would just take over the screen and you wouldn't be able to click off it. Yeah, I, I did that a few times to, to people at college. <laughs> well, there we go. That's what a, what a sordid end. <laughs> that took a turn, that did. Was that um, that website that used to have like nasty stuff like that, like JFK's like, blowing off head on it and stuff? It's, was it like cheese and burgers or... Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, it it's something like that. familiar. Yeah. Were you, did you two used to go on 4chan when you were... When no. you were younger, no, that one passed me by. I was a regular four channer. Probably too old for that, really. We had the, the, mm. the, the mysterious cheese website that I can't remember the name of. <laughs> and I remember I used to go on a website called um, it was something underground, and it had a load of games on there, like uh, like mini clip games, but they were like adult, not adult as in porno. There were porno ones on there, but they were like. You know, like gore games and like shoot 'em ups and stuff. I can't remember what it was called. No, it was all the rage. Um, and it's where like things like um, Red versus Blue, kind of, you know, the internet series Red mm. versus Blue. And um, mm. what was the other one where you had the? Oh god, it's going to really annoy me now. There was a there was a series, um, Pure Ownage. Did you ever watch Pure Ownage? No, not even heard of that. That was really funny. It was like an internet series about this like gamer. And uh, they had like he had a mate called like FPS Dave, who was like obsessed with first person shooters, like and he lived his whole life as if it was an FPS. Um, yeah, it's good. It was actually a really good series if you could try and find it. It'll be on Machinima, I suppose. So, friend of the show Tom Kearney, there was a scene where this guy would like he'd 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 beat a game or he'd, he'd beat a level, and he'd pretend to hump his PC, and he'd be like, "Yeah, you like that, huh? Huh? You like that?" Tom did that in IT once. To unbeknownst, the teacher was stood behind him while he was like <laughs> gyrating and thrusting away on this PC monitor. <laughs> it was proper funny. <laughs> oh dear! Incredible. Lovely. Anyway, that's Thank the end of the questions. <laughs> yeah, that was wonderful. Thank you very much. That really took a turn towards the end. I'm, I'm quite stunned. <laughs> uh, so first up, we're going to look at hot take corner. So, over the last few years, the My Little Pony fans have raised money for a young girl to fly and get life-saving surgery. They forced studios into acting over Lucifer and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They provide a sense of belonging to some people. Um, More recently, they've demanded that Marvel leave their chosen path to bring back Tony Stark. The Snyder Bros have been harassing fans over the Suicide Squad love. And also... They've just generally been bullying people on social media. So I want to know, is Stan Culture a force for good or a force for bad? Stu? As with all these things, it kind of starts out with good intentions and then the wrong people get involved and it always gets twisted and wronged. Um, I guess without people like this, you wouldn't get things changed and you wouldn't get people noticed and out there but you got to rein it in a bit and you got to realize where, where the line is and when the problem is a lot of these people don't know where the line is and they always mm-hmm. always take it too far but on the whole is it a good thing or not 
for, for me, yes, it is because it gets people asking questions and that's never really a bad thing, but you just rein it in a bit and then it'll be perfect. Matt, what do you think? Echo Stu really there, pretty much word for word, because all you know, we've had some great things on the back of this and isn't it always the way that there's always a small group of people that that make things nice and shiny, but then it's always this is why we can't have nice things. It isn't that humanity in general. Um mm-hmm. and this this is no different really. It nearly always goes too far and then verges into the realms of abuse um towards whether that be celebrity or towards directors or cast members and then it gets personal then and i don't know it's 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 a really hard line i think we're very entitled as a as a society these days aren't we thinking that our voice has equal measure to that of a director and that as people that know better and do this as for a living and because of social media making it so much easier to get your opinion across it's it's put us in a position where you know, zealots and cultists have equal or probably even more of a voice than, than someone that's actually doing them, perfecting their art. It's it's mm. a shame. It's a shame because there have been some really good things that have come on the back of it. But, you know, I was like it with the way that fucking Line of Duty ended. I was on the internet like a <laughs> madman. Do you know what I mean? And, like, it, it happens to the most sensible of us. So it's it can be a force for good, but it is most often used as a force for evil. There's got to be some, for, like the Tesseract. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's got, you know what I mean? There's, there's a capacity for good, but it's, it's most often abused. Hmm. I feel like Twitter, Instagram, you know, the social medias, they should have something on their app where if you've been on there for an hour, that it just shuts down for the next six hours. Mm. <laughs> or only, until you've at least touched grass is what I think the kids say <laughs> now. Like you, you do need that, that, bit of real world just remember that there is more than just social media and yeah you might get it off your chest if you call a director a cunt because you don't like what they've done but realistically there is a man on the end of that or a woman on the end of that abuse and people forget that when all you see is an avatar Mm. so yeah you're both right like there is no right answer to this the right answer will only come from social media and people taking a little bit of responsibility for their actions and actually doing something positive for a change rather than always taking it to that that level of toxicity, which seems to happen all too often. That game that I sent you the link to last week, about Andy, about the um, how people don't like certain things, because it's a game about... It's got some questionable things happening in it. Again, but it's artistic merit. You do what you want. There's warnings mm. at the start saying that this might not be to anyone's taste. And once this all came out, the... Um, the voice actor of one of the one of the guys in the game got abused for doing his, doing a job, and you think, mm. well, actually, in a in a good way, he, people find it that good that the performance that they think it's a real thing, and they they feel like they have to go and abuse him. But he's doing a job rather than the creators of the game who got abused as well. But as always, things get taken too far, and that was literally last week about a, about an, which looks like a storybook game. Yeah, it's a mobile phone app, isn't it? If I remember correctly, like it's it's just thro- so throwaway, and people have taken it to that level. It's disgusting. I just think, obviously, well, we could talk about and comfortably talk about the way that Twitter and all these social media giants have a responsibility, and you know, 
you've only got to look at what's happened with like OnlyFans over the last like week when <laughs> other platforms as well, how they like exploit their most profitable people that there's massive changes that huge companies need to make but won't make because they don't they're they're worried about their bottom line and I fear that Twitter and that will never never be as responsible as it as it should be for the power that it has. Mm. Well, that's a very good point. So the next question will be the art based question and that's yours this week, Matt. So I want to know you're given a month to create the most convincing forgery of a famous piece of art and you've got to try and get away with it which piece of art do you try to forge and why Stuart well since I don't think I've actually seen any art ever in my life uh, (laughs) well no last time I went to an art gallery was when they um the Wolverhampton one obviously when they had the Thunderbirds exhibition on and that was probably when late 90s early 2000s and they had the actual models and the puppets and everything that was amazing yeah but that's uh, i went to that section and then went out again <laughs> that's all I, that's all i bothered about so <laughs> going on what i know of people who've been to the louvre and stuff you'd have to try and forge the mona lisa because no one believes it's as small as it is so you, you can get away with it anyway it's <laughs> <laughs> a good answer that is that's, that's a good answer what about yourself uh, andy see i I'm like insanely jealous of people who can draw because I, I just can't do it. I would have to go for something like you'd have to be a Jackson Pollock, like yeah. I, yeah. I cults or something, something that I like when I look at it, I see what it means. I, I understand it. I just couldn't do it myself, but that looks like the most accessible way into art is by doing something abstract rather than something like I couldn't draw a, a piece of, you know, a, fucking cityscape or something mm. whereas I can flick paint at a board I can do that I'll be alright at that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I mean I wanted to go down that route but I I, I knew that somebody else would because it's 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 an accessible answer for everybody but um, there was two kind of things really so there's um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like the Metallica Load and Reload album covers which mm-hmm. is essentially um the, the load has the artwork title semen and blood three where it's just it's just a mix of semen and blood on a um sounds like a good and, night out yeah exactly <laughs> um it's basically um andreas serrano bovine blood and his own semen between two sheets of plexiglass i mean i could do that i could <laughs> you know what i mean that's why you can wank on a dead cow that's fine uh, you know what i mean i've you know i've slept with worse um and uh but my my so I've always had a problem when it comes to drawing. I can't draw. I, I'm, it's just, you, you can either draw or you can act or you can make music. And mine was make music. I mean, I can't like physically compose anything, but I can sure as hell drum along or play the trombone to it. Mm. Um, I've always had a problem with like body. Um, uh, what's the word? See, I don't even know what the word is. Like the um, proportions. I've never been able to like really draw proportions very well. So if mm. I was forced to, I'd do Scream by Edvard Munch. Ah, yeah. Um, because obviously the face is not a real person's face. It's it's like exactly, and it's mm. it's a lot of like colours bleeding into each other, which is exactly what would happen because I get really frustrated. I think I'd have to give it a go. I'd give it a go, a good go. <laughs> yes, I, I think I'd pro- either do like as I said, Pollock or something like uh, Picasso, 
Because again, like you could draw pretty much fucking anything and just say, yeah, that's Picasso. Like the nose is on the wrong side of the face. Yeah, yeah, that's what he, that's what he did. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. Uh, so the next question, what have you been watching since the last question cast? It's been a long old time since we last did a question cast, but tell us what you've been watching, Matt. So apart from, so talking cinema, um, there was uh, Suicide Squad and Free Guy. Um, Suicide Squad, amazing, brilliant. We'll probably talk at that at length further down the line. Free Guy was a real surprise hit for me. Absolutely loved it. I went in there dead hungover, like, just expecting, I just needed a reason to be out of the house and basically not in bed. And I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. It was, it had that element of what I enjoy about Wreck-It Ralph, where it's got shoehorned computer game references in there that like, I have no right being there, but it's still really fun. Um, I've been blitzing my way through Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, I've been forced by law to be in the house for so long. So it's been blasting for so long. Um, I've restarted. Well, I'm now currently watching the Walking Dead series 10 again. Well, I'd stopped and I'm I'm catching up. And I can't believe I've left it so long because this has been an absolute top blaster, this series. Mm. It's been really, really, really fun. And it doesn't go the direction you think it's going to go. It doesn't follow the same pattern of The Walking Dead as you're you're following your villain right the way up to the last episode where there's the payoff and then we get a glimpse of who the next villain's going to be for the next series. It doesn't follow that pattern. Um, It's really blown up. Like, it's... I'll be really, really upset when it properly ends now because it's geared up towards a proper sprint finish. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Um, Mm. I read a really interesting article the other day, though, how the uh, the Rick Grimes... Um, trilogy is, is just too late now. There's not enough interest in the show um, for it, which is, will be a, which will be a shame because you know that Walking Dead for me peaked peaked with Rick Grimes and fell with Rick Grimes, and it will be a bit of a shame that like that that will ne- not really get explored now. I think it is a shame, but it needed to have been done within six months of him mm. quote unquote dying in the, the main show. Yeah, they've definitely missed the boat. It's, I think it's they're, they're culpable of just being too lazy and not getting on it, and also the pandemic hitting put everything back eighteen months. So it's I, re- I reckon shame. they'll, I reckon they'll end, they'll, they'll end the show with his return at this point and scrap the and scrap the um, scrap the movies. Maybe like he comes back on a helicopter to the music from, uh, uh, not Armageddon. What am I thinking of? Um, Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now, yeah. <laughs> Flight, uh, Flight of the Valkyries. Mm. It's interesting. Like I've, I've read the books as they were going out. So I'm going to be I'm intrigued where they're going to end it because obviously it ends with Rick Grimes in the books. I don't know where this is going to end because obviously he's not there. So Has, has it finished? Has the, have the books done? Yeah. Because yeah, I've got done. I've got those hard I've got the hardbacks. So I'm up to like I've got the you know like the I can't remember what they were called now, but I've I'm, I've got five of them in like in a nice neat little row waiting for me to the buy the rest of them. Omnibus compendiums. Yeah, that's it. The, that's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It, it's finished. At, I think was it 193? I think was the final issue, if I remember correctly. Uh, it was fantastic, really good. Stu, what have you been watching? On both of them films, <laughs> I think was, was it a common theme to these. Um, <laughs> Old as well, which was not very good. Which have we even talked about it before? It's been so long, I don't know. It's. I think you and I have spoke about it on WhatsApp, but I don't think we've spoke about it on here. Yeah, it's a it was dirge, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I, I was warned, which 
when you warn me that things are going to be bad, that most of the time means it's going to be good. So I went to, uh, I went to, with my own judgment, and yeah, you're right. It was it was so meh. It was unbelievable. Uh, midnight in the switchgrass, as I mentioned earlier, which was <laughs> I watched it because the 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 cover had Bruce Willis and Megan Fox on, and I thought this can't be any good at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd convinced myself all day that I was, I, thought, I can't wait to watch this now to see how bad it is. It was just very middle of the road kind of lifestyle TV movie, which they were in. And she was in it more than him. But again, they they weren't the stars of the film. <laughs> it's one of them situations. Uh, what else have I been watching? Oh, uh, Bosch, final season of Bosch on Amazon Prime. Season seven with the excellent Titus Welliver, um, who's in everything. The man that you know who he is, but you don't know his name. And um, I, I've seen Bosch advertised a few times, and it, it looks really good. But I've never, I don't know, I've just never put the time aside to sit there and watch it. Is it worth plowing through? Well, Even absolutely. at this point, would you go back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go back because it, it's other than the fans being ancient and like nine years old at this point that's the only real thing that changes but you got, you got lance riddick in it as well um who's always good in everything he does mm. so it's da- absolutely go back and watch it from the start it's there's no reason not to it's just a great it really really good cop show and obviously oh, okay. I've, I've, I've talked cool. about it before in the last year or so um and then what if as well the first three of them which i enjoyed I don't think they're excellent. They're only half their reach, and they are what they are. But it's kind of interesting just to see what if, from a different perspective, things happen in the MCU for a change. And I don't mind the art style. I know a lot of people hate it, but I think it's all right for what it is. I haven't really been a fan of any of the Marvel art uh, in the animation that they've done previously. This is no different. I watched the... um, the first episode, the Peggy Carter one, because I, I like Peggy Carter. I think she's an interesting character. Um, I struggled with that. I thought it was terrible. A lot of people sounded like they'd never done voice acting before, and mm-hmm. it really you could really tell on screen it was awful. And I got 10 minutes into the third episode. I haven't even watched the second yet. 10 minutes into the third and just turned it off. I was bored. I, yeah, it's. I realise this one's not going to be for me at all, so I'm not even going to waste my time any further with this one. I too have watched Suicide Squad and Free Guy. Suicide Squad, if we ever redo our top five comic book movies, there's a strong chance that's going in there. I thought it was exceptional. And Free Guy might be the best com- uh, the best computer game movie ever made. I don't think that's a controversial thing to say, to be perfectly honest. It was, as I said to you two, I didn't particularly enjoy the first act. I thought it was a bit meh. But the second and third acts were exceptional. Really good fun. I went to see Jungle Cruise, which I absolutely loved. Uh, you both know I've got zero time for the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. They're based on a ride, and that is as deep as they go. So with Jungle Cruise, I kind of had similar fears. It's based on a ride. Is there actually going to be anything to this movie? But it was really fun. It was really funny. It was heartwarming. And there's a few moments of actual peril, like you do fear for the characters. Really excellent. I would recommend that to anybody who, if you ever want a, a family action-packed movie, get on to Jungle Cruise. Brilliant. 
And finally, last week, I went to see The Night House. Um, it's a new horror movie that's just out at the cinemas now. I went in expecting it to be really trashy exploitation bollocks. Like, oh, it should be fun. And I ended up like feeling a little bit scared coming out of the cinema. <laughs> it, it was properly eerie. It's basically a widow uncovers disturbing secrets from her deceased husband's past. Supernatural, really intense thriller. It's got a number of like proper panic-inducing nails on the chalkboard kind of jump scares. Rebecca Hall's in it, and she's she's fantastic. Really good. Yeah, the Night House. I'd recommend that to anyone. Great no, honor. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Not the way you've described it, anyway. You're yeah, re- like modern horror does nothing for me very often, but this one I thought was cracking, really good. But yeah, I, I, I did say I said I think Stu will like it, and I don't think you will, Matt. Have you ever been that scared that you've been you had a cushion and you're chewing the corner of it? No, no. It, it, looks, it, it looks like it looks like Matt needs to chew a cushion right now. How white he's gone! I know. I'm like I'm looking in the I'm looking at the the skylight in the garage, thinking oh, is someone there. <laughs> There's one bit where a a jump scare happens, but I've always been able to read when a jump scare comes in a movie. You just know where it is. So that happened and I was fine. And then they did another one two seconds later that I did not fucking sense. I shit it. It like proper got me. So I was like, okay, that's a good film if it gets me. So Mm. yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. So the next question is yours, please, Stuart. Well, seeing, seeing as the 80s is the best decade of all time, what makes an 80s movie, Matthew? Um, as an 80s child, Stu, I'll tell you. <laughs> just about. Just, <laughs> just, just about. Um, so I've gone for a few things here. <clears throat> Pardon. Guitar solos, for one. There's always like some screaming guitar over a helicopter montage over <laughs> the Manhattan River. So that's something that makes an 80s movie for me. Um, it, back to more serious filmy terms. And I've got, I've, got a, I've got an essay from uni about this. The, the end of the 80s saw the revolution from the action hero to the more effeminate um, action hero. So you went from like Arnie as Brick Shithouse Terminator to Kindergarten Cop at the start of the 90s. So a lot of the, the 80s the, or the end of the 80s for me is... Um, I always see as a very metrosexual era in film because towards the end of the 80s, things got very soft. Things got very, um, let's explore our feelings kind of kind of movies. But they also went, at the start of the 80s, it was very big and bombastic and pushing the boundaries of violence. And what I mean by that is like Scarface jumps out to me. You watch The Godfather from the 70s and you watch Scarface and you can just tell that what they what they want to achieve isn't conversation and fear through conversation and dialogue and character development. Nah, we'll just fucking chain someone up to a shower and we'll <laughs> we'll chainsaw their arm off. <laughs> and that's the difference between like the kind of the eighties. It started off big, bombastic, and then towards the end of the decade, we started to kind of look at ourselves and uh, and like um, what it what it meant to be a man and masculinity was kind of explored. There's my long answer to. <laughs> What makes an 80s film? I've just got puffy nipples here. I couldn't just go puffy nipples. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> um, I've gone with 
looking more at the politics of the time. I think, as you said, you are right. Like, it's very much big. It's bombastic. Everyone looked like a Todd McFarlane drawing of a superhero. That was 80s films. But it's very much the propaganda of the time. So Hollywood was pretty much basically America's the greatest country in the world. The bad guy was almost always going to be Russian or Eastern European of some uh, some sense. That's very much what I associate with uh, the 80s. I always think, like, Rocky, I think, is probably the most 80s film. Because you've also then got stuff like the Hearts on Fire over the, the training montage and all that kind of thing. And that just seems to throw all of the different tropes of the 80s into one film. So to sum it up in one, it would be Rocky Four for me. Yeah, Rocky Three or Rocky Four. I'll take both because they're both fantastic. You could have Hearts on Fire in any any movie in the eighties at all. Absolutely, it would make yeah. perfect sense. I think that's kind of mine as well. A bit of synth and a bit of a saxophone, because <laughs> you never hear saxophone anymore, do you ever? Hardly ever. But in all eighties movies, all eighties movies, it always um, some. There's always normally from a cop car pulling off a driveway with a bit of saxophone in the background. <laughs> Things like that. And yeah, like Matt said, over the top gore. Like things being arms and stuff being blown off everywhere. 18 rated films. Things that, well, the video nasties, worry. The 80s. But they're all, they're, like you said, as well, Andy, the look of everyone looks the same. Even if they're, yeah. from, if they look homeless, they've still got great hair. If they're, <laughs> if they're a big shot in an office, they've still got great hair. They've just got a better suit. And, there's just an, an essence of it. Well, it, it is just superb. Mm, I think if you watch American Psycho, even though obviously that was 2003-ish maybe, that's like a perfect encapsulation mm. of the 80s. That's a really good homage, parody, I don't know what you'd call it, of the 80s. And yeah, you have got the people at the top to the bottom, but they all sort of, they're very homogenous, I think is the right word. They're all sort of the same. Um, yeah. So I think that would be a good one. You could look at a modern version of an eighties film. With that. Yeah, it very much paints a picture of um, a, a society at the time, which is just obsessed with indulgence. I think like the eighties is painted very much as the bright colours and and the violence and everything else is just like they can't get enough. It's like coming out of a depression and being in a boom. Um, mm. When it comes to like everything, is just so over the top and grand. And um, then the nineties happened and. It all got a bit glum. <laughs> yeah, we, we sort of then went into the more singer-songwriter kind of era of uh, film then, I think, after that one. Because I suppose at that point, that's when someone like Tom Cruise becomes the next big thing. you got Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks. It was the more of the, the more effeminate-looking yeah. uh, portrayed characters. People like look towards them, and that takes us through the 90s. So I suppose you are. I think that's a really good point you made, Matt, about the the growth throughout it, and it does sort of mirror America when you look at going from Reaganomics through towards oh, was it Bush and then Clinton, yeah. I think. So we did have that in politics as well as on screen. Yeah, I've I've always found it fascinating. I th- my um, my dissertation was on masculinity in film, and um, I think when you look at what it, what it makes to be a man. Um, and then looking at when you had things like Kindergarten Cop and, you know, um, Two Men and a Baby, uh, Three Men and a Baby, what is it, Two Men, Three Men and a Baby, um, and things like that, 
what what was considered like you've got these big steroid induced superstars that are now then becoming these like oh he likes yeah he's a, he's a hard man but he's also really good with kids it's like that, that it's just yeah. it's a really strange it was a really strange transition for these like you know sylvester stallone was the same and arnie and amongst the others and, and some didn't adapt as well as others like john claude van damme and steven seagal mm. and they because they didn't have that element to them they never they never went with the times yeah nothing like nothing, I mean, nothing screams that like mr nanny yeah. <laughs> See, I was thinking junior. So, like, Arnie yeah. went from literally beating up aliens to giving birth to a child. Like that's yeah, that's almost full circle from male yeah. to female all, all the way around. Really good question that was, Stu. That was um, got got me thinking that one. Did <laughs> so. My question, right? You are putting a time machine. You are going back to the first of January, nineteen eighty-seven. This is the year that I first went to the cinemas. I saw the Snow White re-release. Um, you were given the opportunity to tell my mum what film that she should take me to see. So I want to know what is the best family-friendly film of 1987 and also what is the best all-round film. It can be the same answer, but it doesn't have to be. <laughs> Mine is not. <laughs> no, no, same. <laughs> so, Matt, what have you got? So family friendly, um, I was torn, but I ended up with um, Harry and the Hendersons. Um, that was the second film I saw at the cinema. Was it really? Yeah. <laughs> um, basic, basically, um, I just think that film for me encapsulates a Sunday afternoon when I was growing up. Um, and that's what family kind of films are all about. The, the family from the kids to the grandparents getting together and just watching something and having a laugh. It being throwaway. And, it, you know, it's not something that ever taxes you, like taxes you mentally or anything. But it just, it's a comedy. It's, it's something funny. It touches on the heartstrings in a way. And it just brings the family together. And Harry and the Hendersons did that when I was growing up. And, you know, John Lithgow is just brilliant in it. And, I can't see past that as a, as my favourite family film of like nineteen eighty seven. Great choice. I mean, mine's mine's already been mentioned. As, with, it is three men and a baby. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> just wonderful, just really nice, heartwarming film. And I don't know if a kid would kind of appreciate that really at the time, but it's it's what is it? It's got to be PG. There's nothing mm, nothing so. nothing bad about that film whatsoever. It's just really sweet. Again, Sunday afternoon film. But the the other answer for that was another Sunday afternoon film, which I did actually watch. Uh, one of the first memories of watching with my granddad was, and I've mentioned before, like sometime last year, Batteries Not Included, which mm. is a really, really good say alien invasion film. Where it's more about the pensioners in this in this building that's going to be knocked down, and they're fighting to fighting to keep their home and all this stuff. And then they have got these little cute aliens that they kind of little spaceships flying around and their breed and it's just really nice and it's one of them where I loved it so much that I don't want to go and watch it again because I don't want to get ruined. <laughs> yeah, I'll get that one. Uh, my choice on the family friendly would be The Princess Bride. I think that's such a good move. I watched it again a couple of three months back and it, it still holds up. It's still a wonderful, wonderful little movie. Um, as a side note, I was on TikTok yesterday scrolling through and I came across uh, Mandy Patinkin's on there. 
and he was watching a video. It was the video was him watching a video of this girl who was talking about the relationship her and her father had with this movie and how um, her father passed away of cancer. And at the end of the film, when Mandy Patinkin's character is asked by the bad guy, what do you want? And his answer is, I want my father back. And it turned out that Mandy Patinkin's father had actually died of cancer as well. So it just added this layer to this film that I never knew about. And it, like, it's such an emotionally beautiful film, but it's so heartwarming. And, and as she said with Harry and the Hendersons, it feels like it can bring people together. Mm. It's some. It, it's a kind of film that does give you a sense of community. It's it's beautiful, and I really like Rob Reiner generally speaking. But yeah, Princess Bride for me. In in terms of my um, in terms of my favourite film of eighty seven, um, it would be Full Metal Jacket. Great choice. Um, and it's obviously full to the brim of probably not intended, but absolutely hilarious quotes as well um and one that definitely doesn't get the recognition it deserves from gunnery sergeant hartman you climb like old people fuck private pile (laughs) 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 it's just it's just brilliant but obviously there's more to it than it just being a war film there's obviously loads of ethical and and all sorts socio-political things that are going on in that movie as well it's just it's just brilliant there's um no i I wouldn't give it justice trying to trying to say Mm. how good it is yeah, I studied that at uni. Um, like it's fascinating when, how many different levels there are to that movie. That you, it's one of those that you can go as deep or as shallow as you want in mm-hmm. on it because it's yeah, great choice that is. Sure. I couldn't believe how many films in 1987 are like my <laughs> all-time favourites. It's just like really, yeah. This, I this... thought it was like a proper poor year when I was researching this. Shut your damn mouth. This <laughs> yeah. RoboCop. Predator, Full Metal Jacket, Lethal Weapon, Running Man, Beverly Ops, Beverly Hills Cop Two, Living Daylights. There's shitloads. I mean, it, if you're talking about actual good, good film, it's a, like a three-way tie: a Fatal Attraction, Untouchables, and Dirty Dancing. Can't split them three. D- Dirty Dancing. Yes. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? <laughs> Dirty Dancing is an incredible <laughs> film. It's not. It's dirt. It's absolute shit. You go and say that to Michael Antonio and see what he says about it. Thank you, shit. That's awful, Stu. Actually, no. Jeez. I'm putting it as my number one now. <laughs> number one film in 1987, Dirty Dancing. There you go. Oh, good put, God. Put this on the Twitter poll, see who wins. It'll be me. I, I hope this Zencaster video works. This is going to be the clip. <laughs> <I'm> sure. <laughs> Oh man, that killed me! Fucking hell. Uh, mine is going to be Evil Dead Two. I was tossing, just tossing. I was choosing between <laughs> Full Metal Jacket and Evil Dead Two. So with you going for Full Metal Jacket, yeah, I've got to go for Evil Dead Two. It's a great film. Like, there's very few. I mean, it's basically a remake. Let's be perfectly honest of the original movie. There's very few remakes that are better than the original. There's very few sequels that are better than the original. And this is both of those things. Great movie. I would thoroughly recommend checking out uh, Bruce Campbell's autobiography, If Chins Could Kill, The Confessions of a B-Movie Actor. And his, the second book he did is Make Love the Bruce Campbell Way. Like, he's great. I love Bruce Campbell. So, yeah, Evil Dead 2 for me. Fucking dirty dancing. Matt, your question, please. <laughs> so I want you to tell me the best film franchise with at least, at least four 
iterations that maintains its quality throughout its franchise. Andy? This is tough. But when I was looking through it, there's so many where there's like maybe four, five, six films. But the quality is the, the issue on this. So, for example, like Police Academy, the quality throughout the first five, that they're all six to seven, like they're all good films. But then you get to the sixth one and it's just in the toilet. It's absolutely awful. So the one... Oh, the, I've got one I'm going for, then I've got, I need to ask you if the other one is eligible for the award. So the one I'm going for is the Jason Bourne quadrilogy. Specifically, Jason Bourne, because fuck Hawkeye. Those four films with Matt Damon are fantastic. Like I've spoke several times how much I prefer the Bourne to the, the uh, Bond series. I think they're really good spy thrillers throughout the three of them other than the technology having moved on since they are still watchable now like they, they haven't aged badly they might just they might just feel a little bit period piece just because the mobile phones they use happen to be different so if jason Bourne quadrilogy for me is the one where the quality is there throughout i was wanted to ask though planet of the apes would the Tim Burton version have to be included? Because it's not really part of the chronology of all of the others. And all of the others are really good. But if we have to put Tim Burton in there, then that one puts it straight in. Well, no, because the reboots, are they? The Tim Burton one was a reboot of the first five, and then it rebooted again. You can't... How many of the new uh, ones have there been? Three? There's been three of the new ones that are prequels to the Charlton Heston one. Mm. Damn stinking ape. Because mm. those are all great, the Charlton Heston ones through to the James Franco and Draco Malfoy ones. But it's, it was the Tim Burton one was the sticking point for me because no. if that had to be included, it'd be in the bin. No, because that was a remake, so no, it doesn't. So you can, okay. yeah. You can that that counts. That that would be more the one would be everything bar the Tim Burton one because that's shit. Oh, interesting, Stu. <sighs> I had born as well, um, <laughs> just because the Hawkeye one doesn't really count anyway. So I know it's kind of loopholes and stuff. Obviously, the obvious answer is MCU, but again, there's. Always Thor Dark World that lets it all all down, doesn't it? So, <laughs> and even Diard goes bad after three, doesn't work. You can't get Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit together, I don't suppose. And even then, nah, that was hard. That was, yeah, I thought you'd so, go down that route. I'm going to settle on Mad Max. And hmm. Thunderdome isn't great, but it's not bad at all. It's still a solid six, though. Like, it's not. <laughs> Awful. No. So there's a, a solid four films. Mad Max. Mm, interesting. Mm. Well, it was a trick question because there aren't any, because it's that bloody difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so I wanted to go, I, I really wanted to go Alien. Um, mm. up, up to up to the quadrilogy, because I've then said how much I disliked Covenant in the past. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, so I couldn't do that. I really wanted to go Rocky, but Rocky Five is not great. Yeah. Even Balboa is 
better and I and I think Balboa was all right actually and then like the Creed films if you wanted to you could shoehorn them into that franchise because they were they class as well but Rocky Five proper lets it down um yeah it's really really tough really tough I was I was gonna I was gonna say Rocky and then just just close close your eyes for five just pretend it never happened that's just <laughs> you know I would like to think that when the matrix comes out the new one that we can include that as the because <laughs> whilst whilst two and three aren't fantastic they're not terrible films they don't maintain the quality and i know that was the question but mm. you know we've got to give ourselves we've got to give ourselves a fighting chance yeah like when i was looking through it i obviously i'd said police academy ends badly and I think Saw had the exact opposite problem. So it starts really strong and then mm. just drops off too much. Evil Dead. Like, I, I really enjoy the original three and the fourth remake, reboot, whatever you want to call it. That was all right. But I don't think it was strong enough to, to put in the list. I mean, the real answer is uh, Toy Story, obviously. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's easy, isn't it? <clears throat> I mean, it legitimately is. It's just that they'd never appear on a, on the top of a favourites list of mine. Mm. Um, Scream would that feature anywhere in there? Nowhere near for me personally. Because that no, that third one's dull. Yeah. It's really boring, isn't it? What about Mission Impossible? Like that starts mm. off six and then yeah. slowly gets. It kind of has a Fast and Furious about it. Like it it starts off slow and then builds up as it goes along. Yeah, yeah there's if it, potential there. If it weren't for nine, it would be Fast and Furious. That'd be the answer. Yeah, but two like two's really like. Yeah, but now, oh. now we've got nine. Two's, two's yeah, like I, a Oscar I know, I need to rewatch them, I think, just to uh, figure out which one goes where. It, it's a toss-up between those two, because they are fucking abysmal. But you are right, Toy Story, it's two nines, a ten and an eight, I think, is mm. probably the, uh, the, the the scores on that one. Like that's Yeah, that, that's the one. Lovely, so that's us done for another week. Next up, we are watching Season of the Witch, a film from 2011. Check out justwatch.com just to see where it is streaming near you. Uh, So please make sure you've got us subscribed on your podcast chat. If you can make sure you've got us on the Twitter at CageFightingPod and any emails to CageFightingPod at gmail.com. So for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, guys. Look after yourselves. Do not search Meat Spin on a work PC. (laughs) (laughs) Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Who gets married on a Thursday? (laughs) Ta-ra. It's goodbye from me. And remember, be excellent to each other. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Song, it's fine.